Hallelujah, man. I think I'm in the glow of that worship, man. Praise God. God is so good to us, you know. If you're a visitor with us, enjoy. It's so good to have you. I know that. um, But I want you to know, I feel in my heart that, you know, we talk a lot about the love of God and and no different. It's so important. The love of God isn't a message. It's something that you need to experience. Because a lot of people say they know that God loves us, but, and then they have a big but in the way. But it's, there is, there is something to be said for experiencing the love of God. And my prayer for you today is that you open your heart just to allow the love of God to seep seep into your hearts, that you can... You can know, you can feel it, you can sense it in your emotions. No matter what you've done, no matter where you failed, I want you to know that your God loves you, that he cares about you. If you've come in here or you're watching online, it doesn't matter what you have done, your father loves you. Your father loves you. He's about to pick up his robes and run towards you and embrace you and put a ring on your finger, sandals on your feet and... Have a party. You are important. You are important. It's so easy for us to let that go. So, but um, hallelujah. I um, just want to mention this in in past. We um, we we uh, have a, we've had Pastor Greg last week, which is great. Pastor Greg um, contacted me a few weeks ago and said he was going to be in Florida, and and um, he's always such a blessing. Uh, if you if you weren't here last week for Pastor Greg's message or haven't watched it yet or listened to it, I'd encourage you to listen to it because he spoke about knowing Jesus, and he used some profound scriptures that you can go back and and I encourage you, as always, go back, listen to it again, take good notes, but go and take the truth of the scripture and get it into your heart because it was really really excellent. And, um, and then we have somebody like uh, that you haven't, we've have not had minister. This is also unusual. I don't normally have as many guests in, in so short a succession, but the opportunity arose for us to have Wendell Parr. And if you don't know Wendell Parr, some of you know Wendell Parr because you carry students and Wendell, Wendell's an awesome man and he's going to be with us next week. And I want to encourage you again, um, Wendell or any gift that we have here, we do pray about these things and you have got an opportunity to draw on years and years and years of experience, ministry experience. And, and not just as a person or an experienced person, but on the gift of the Spirit and uh, the gifts within him as he is enabled. So it's very, uh, I'm really excited about having Wendell because that'll be, as, as we know, the first time. So we're grateful for, for him being in town. So that'll happen next week. You know, I've been, um, since December, I've been talking about perspectives. And um, because we've had these, these uh, guests pop, pop in over here, but it's so, it's so paramount for us to, to lay a, a foundation of getting the proper perspective. And so um, last week, well, the, sorry, the time before when I was talking about perspectives, we were, we were talking about some of these, uh, these, these values. If we don't know how to prioritize or how to see certain, certain things, we will abuse certain things. We will see things not in the light that we need to see them. Like um, that, that image of perspective, do we have that other one that we have there? You know, it, depending on where you're standing, 
depending on your tradition, depending on your background, depending what you've been taught, what you've accepted as normal, you will look at the same things differently. I'm going to say that again. You will see, interpret, look at the same thing differently. Jesus said, what does the word say? What does the scripture say and how do you read it? Now, that's not leaving the scripture open to your interpretation. That's called private interpretation. Personal. It doesn't matter. Your opinion of what the scripture says is not important. My opinion of what the scripture says is not important. I want you to hear this. This is profound. Because people will go and pick denominations and, and, or, or religious perspectives uh, and they will say, well, this is the way they say it. But do you care enough? Have you made a decision to know what God's word says about it? Has, is the word of God of that great a priority to you that you are prepared to redefine your perspective to look at things the way God sees it? It's, it's profoundly important because if you're standing on the wrong side of the perspective, if you decided I'm going to see this because my denomination of old or my traditions or my mom and my dad or whatever, my political viewpoint, my cultural viewpoint, what do they say nowadays? My truth. There's no such thing as my truth. There's only the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. There's only one way. And we are all on the process and journey of interpreting, uh, or, or, of learning to see how Jesus sees it. And, and this, is, this is important because if you're not willing to say this, then you will not let go of your opinion and you will hold on to something. And unfortunately, there's no freedom there. You know, I, I, I was praying and meditating on this. And, you know, if I said, if any human being in the history of mankind had said, who wants to live a sad, miserable, and lonely life? Who, who, who in the world would ever say, yeah, 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 that's my desire. I want to live a sad, miserable, and lonely life. Nobody. But yet we all pursue our own view of life. Where Jesus says there is, oh, there is a way that seems right unto a man, at the end thereof is destruction, death. You see, Jesus' way is a way that he is in, his desire for us, for each, every single human being, is to experience life. But if you've chosen, if you said, listen, I'm going to live my life the way I interpret, the way I see it, then I'm telling you, you are heading towards a sad miserable and lonely life it's true you will and I'm not listen I'm not saying that you can't have success I'm not saying that you can't have fame I'm not saying that you can't be rich you can have all of those things and be sad miserable and lonely cost your mind how many famous people do you know have committed suicide in the last five ten years all the money, all the fame, all the acclaim. They could walk into any place and people will ask for their autographs. Why would they commit suicide? You see, you see we, we have this idea that money is going to fix my everything or 
Whatever is going to fix my, when I just, no, I'm telling you, there are so many people and I watch their lives go smaller and smaller and smaller because they're walking their own path. They are holding on to their paradigms and their perspectives for dear life because they will not choose it. They won't choose any other perspective because their ego is in the way. I will not choose to any difference. So you're saying, I don't care. I'm going to hold on to my ego. I don't care how sad miserable and lonely life becomes and then the funny thing is eventually you've got nobody around you and you're blaming everybody else well it was them and it was that and it was this and it was that and it was this and it was that because now you're only you're starting to like blame somebody but I'm telling you the only person you can blame is you I'm not saying that there aren't mean people out there they are but there is one way for us to walk towards Jesus' way. There's only one paradigm and perspective to adopt if we want to do it His way. Amen. Only one. I'm not saying that all of us are going to have the same personality and that we're all going to march in goose step. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there is absolutely a way that is God's way. It is truth. And truth, like He says, brings freedom. There is only one truth. And so... Um, this is such a big thing. Like I said, the definition of success. You know, we, we've defined success all the time. There's so many business books. And, you know, if you want to be successful, and then, of course, then they'll tell you, they'll carry on. If you want to be successful, you've got to do this. If you want to be successful, you've got to do that. If you want to be successful, if you want to be successful, and how are they defining success? Because I said, the end thereof can be sad, miserable, and lonely, but you can have a big, fat bank account. You know that you can even be mightily healed of God. You can get out of a wheelchair or have your vision restored or your ears open, popped open, and have a sad, miserable, and lonely life. Yeah. Seen it happen. Seen it happen. God's goodness profoundly comes in and touches people like we'll see if you come to the crusade. By the way, if you come to the crusade with us in June, you're going to see a lot of healing and miracles. But you see, at the end thereof, it's not the end. It, you see, we, we pursue these pieces of God without pursuing God. I want, I want God to give me success. I want the bubblegum machine God. I want the God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask him this and he's going to give me that. And then I'm going to be happy. And we pursue these pieces without pursuing him. Knowing him. When you know him, you get everything. When you get to know him. But guess what it costs? Everything. Everything. It costs you everything. That's what Jesus said. Unless you're willing to leave it all behind and follow me. That's what he means. That's what he was trying to communicate. You have to be prepared to abandon that completely. And you know, we talk about being authentic here and... That's something we prize. We are pursuing authenticity because we don't want just dead religion. Amen. We don't want to play church games. We don't. We, we, want to, we, want to, we, want to, we want to take hold of life, which is truly life. Amen. Do you? Yes. What are you prepared to give for that? An hour a week? Seven hours a week? Or everything? It's your choice. It is your choice. That is the frustrating thing about having free will and the wonderful thing about having free will. The powerful thing is you choose. You get to determine. But I want you to hear me clear, clearly. 
The cost has the end thereof is death. And part of the death is not just like, oh, you're going to die because God's going to judge you or whatever. No, I'm talking about having a sad, miserable, and lonely life. Do you want fulfillment? Do you want to learn to have fulfillment in all of these things? Do you want to learn to take hold of life, which is truly life? And so the definition of success, you know, I have come to believe that there is only one definition of success, God's definition of success, and it's really simple. Are you doing what he told you to do? Because each one of us are going to have a different path to that. Every one of us, some of you are called to be rich. Some of you are not. What about him, Lord? What about him? Listen, Peter, I want to tell you, you're going to, the end for you is going to kind of suck. Just, just saying. And Peter's like, really? Uh, what about him? Well, if I want him to live, stay and live alive till I come back, what, what's, what's that to you? I'm not saying that God hasn't got your interest in mind, but to think that we all have the same goal. Listen, if God gives you money in your pathway, there's only one reason, and it's not for you. It's for the sake of the kingdom. Now, if you're working for your money, you will hold on to it because you're working hard for your money. I'm talking about God. There is a prosperity that God provides, and he adds no sorrow to it. There's a plan for God's ways. I'm saying, and same with everything. If we, once we have kingdom first mindsets, when Jesus said, seek first again, when we have a kingdom first mindset, then it's just like we're living for the great commission and playing our role in the great commission. Just what you're called to, not more. Just what you're called to. What are you called to? What is, because that's going to define success for you, what you're called to. If you live somebody else's view of success, you're not going to feel whole. You can even have a lot of money. You can have everything that the business book told you you can have and be miserable because you're not fulfilling your call, what God has called you. You're going to know there's an itch that's not being scratched because you were following the business world, the carnal way, the way that everybody else told you that you had to. Why? Because I better do it because people will think People will think this or who think, or I think that. It's horrible to chase the carrot, right? In fact, I go, oh, my toy box is gone. It's, oh, okay. I had a toy there. It's in, it's, it's, it's in there. It's a cap with a, a carrot on it. You can chase the carrot, right? You can smell the carrot. You know it's over there, but you can't taste the carrot. It's always out there. But you see, you are called and you, you can walk and you can be enjoying your carrot every day when you're walking and following God's success, God's way. It's not in the sweet by and by you get there. God's view of success is if you're doing what I told you today. You can live in that. That's powerful. That really is. But it's the same with that. God's definition of, of, of all of those things when we decide to see it from his perspective. So um, I had said this and I'm saying it. I know I'm, I'm repeating myself, but I want to say there, I think there's three fundamental 
perspectives we've got to adopt, and one is an accurate view of God, and we speak about God's character and nature so much here. We have to be prepared to uh, accept a God's perspective view of life, and Jesus is the demonstration and the accurate, exact representation of his being. It says that multiple times in scripture in so many ways. You've heard those scriptures I've given to you, and, and you should, they should soak into your being, but there is only one definition of this good God, and who God is is paramount, because when, when you know who God is, nobody can tell you a doctrine and it fit. Because you were like, ah, oh, that, that doesn't, when you hear something that's amiss, that doesn't fit that character of the God that you know, it's going to be like, that, that doesn't seem right. My God is not that way. Where, the question is, where do you see Jesus doing that way? Where do you see Jesus acting that way? That means like that, that thing, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know how many of you come out of denominations. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. But I remember once when the denomination I was in, it was like, you know, if you're a lost sheep out there and you keep straying, you know what God's going to do? He's going to come and find you and then break your leg. He's going to break your leg and he's going to strap him to you because he loves you so much. And you're going to be close to his heart while you're hanging on while that leg heals. I don't know how many of you heard that. Now, can you imagine God breaking legs? How many times do you see Jesus breaking legs? But you see, we accept these things because some preacher who went to some school for a while tells you this and you're like, that's terrifying. I better be, I better be, you know, so, you know, we have, we have that idea, you know, and we, we, there's so much fear preached from pulpits because, because they listen, I just want you to live right. Just pretend that you live right, look right, because that's the goal. That's not the goal. Fear, using fear will manipulate, will control your behavior, will make you look certain ways, but it'll never change your heart. Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup, change your heart, change the way you see things, change the way you believe about things, and the outside will be clean automatically. So God's not into destruction and destroying things. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to have life and have it to the full, more abundantly. It's powerful, that word. It's not just abundantly. It's over exceedingly abundant. You know, you can find life in the mission field. You can find fulfillment in the mission field. You think that you can find wherever you're called, you can find incredible, over-the-top, abundant life. So seeing God is is paramount, knowing the character and nature of God. Secondly, it's knowing who you are. It's knowing your identity, what Jesus has done for you, what, that I'm a co-heir, that I'm jointly seated with him, that I'm his ambassador, that I'm his child. You've got to know exactly what your authority is and all those things that we, the other things that we speak so much about. Knowing who God is, knowing who you are. Those are profound. Those are deep truths. Those are truths that take a while to soak yourself in because you don't hear that a lot from a lot of churches. Who you are. Not, there's a lot of churches that say, this is what you can become. But what did Jesus make you when you were born again? What is who you are? You see, and I hear it all the time in the ways that we pray. Because we're waiting for God to do something. 
they're, they're going to shift the needle more than others. And this, these three areas are going to shift the needle in, in, in your life. If you start getting established in this, you can spend your whole life pursuing these, these areas. But um, we, again, I'm, I'm going to just put a place. I, want to, I feel like I need to mention the love of God because it's part of his character. And I'm not going to teach about the love of God. But it, it is so critical that you decide... And to understand that everything God done, he will define, he defines within the context of love. That's why in Ephesians chapter 3, it says um, that famous thing that you, uh, in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now... I cannot do the love of God justice because I literally could minister on the love of God for a long time, and I love doing that. It, it, but to understand that your understanding of what love is is not God's understanding. That doesn't. I'm not trying to insinuate that God breaks your leg, because that's what I've heard. I've literally had people from another denomination, a friend of mine, tell me that. Well, God's love is God loves us so much that He will do things to us. Because he loves us so much. I'm like, but you, you defining love. You have got to define love and be prepared to let God define love for you. But I'm telling you, the agape love of God is clearly driven, is clearly expressed in Scripture. We see it in the stories. We see it in the woman caught in the act of adultery. We see it at the woman at the well. We see it in every miracle. We see how God expressed his love towards all of these things. It, the, the love of God is defined in the prodigal son so powerfully, right? In the good Samaritan, who is it that loves that guy? You know, all of these stories paint pictures of God's love. And, and it, again, that is an absolute foundation from which we, we stand and we see perspective. So I, I've talked about critical uh, factors. In fact, I want to read this uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The aim of our charge, he says, is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. He says the whole aim of his teaching, you go and look at it in different, in different translations, the whole aim of our charge is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Now, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just laying a foundation for where I'm going over here. So um, there's this scripture, uh, and I, I, I feel, I felt led that we, we've got to talk, how can I say this? Um, it's, it's very important as we desire to move into the spiritual things. I'm going to briefly lay this foundation. Those of you who've stuck around us for a while. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are written to a very carnal church, the Corinthian church, right? And in 12, 13, and 14, it starts, it says, uh, the, the, the uh, writer who is Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, listen, guys, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual stuff. And like Pastor Greg says, he goes on to de-ignorantize us in those three chapters. And it's great to read those three chapters in one sitting, chapter 12, 13, which is love, the love chapter, and 14. It's very clear when you see that all compressed into there about how we're going to flow in love and what does it, how does it operate? Because he doesn't want to, what, what does he say there first one and 12? He does not want us to be ignorant about spiritual things. 
In fact, a lot of translations throw the word gifts in there, but the word gifts is not in the first verse. He says, I want you, don't want you to be ignorant about pneumaticos, about spiritual stuff, or just the spiritual. Now, we have, as a church, left the spiritual, or we've gone overboard and we've taken the spiritual stuff and we've gone weird with it. We've gone all kooky, and then the regular people sit there kind of embarrassed because sister so-and-so is acting like a berserker. Or brother so-and-so is, is yelling at somebody, prophesying some weird things over them. Uh, listen, I'm sorry, it goes quiet, like, right? And so people are the, the people that are genuinely wanting, listen, the spiritual stuff is essential. The spiritual stuff is essential. Teaching is a good thing. Teaching is a great thing. We need good teaching from the Word of God, but it's not the only thing we need to. We need to be able to flow in the spiritual. How many of you want to see the spiritual? You want to see spiritual stuff? Do you want to be used in the spiritual stuff? Absolutely. We should be. If we're going to move, if we're going to be a body that's going to rise up in these dark times and be salt and light, you need to know how it is. And verse 14 starts with this. He says, now, he says, I want you to eagerly pursue love, right? Chapter um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. I didn't have that in my notes, sorry, Janine. But he, but he says, he says, pursue eagerly. He says, he says, and desire, earnestly be zealous for, is the word, zelu. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Amen. Especially that you prophesy. What? I thought that's only for the prophets. But again, we've got the weird people, right? So then people want to jump and go overboard. So, uh, so prophecy is like First Corinthians, uh, First sorry, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nineteen says, "Do not quench the spirit." Do not quench the spirit, and he says, "Do not despise prophecies. Yeah. Don't despise them." But here comes balance. Test everything and hold fast to what is good. And verse 22 says, abstain from every kind of evil. You see, when you're established in those three areas that we have, you know who God is, you know who you are, you know who the devil is, that's going to give you a grounding. It's going to give you a grounding. But then, there, you know, we, we, so many people, like somebody will come up and, and really start flowing in, in uh, prophecy, Right? And you give some accurate words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And they say, oh, sister so-and-so, I, I perceive this is happening and, and, and that's happening. And you're like, whoa, that's pretty awesome. And you find that that's that. How many of you have experienced some accurate words? Even here, we've had, we have it flowing off often. And so it, it says that. So, but, you know, the problem is this. Pursuing prophecy is super dangerous unless you've been established in the word of God. Yeah. In fact, you won't even be able to properly interpret a personal prophecy unless you first hold on to the revealed word of God. God's word, God's written word, the Bible, has got to be your primary passion. God is going to speak to you through the Bible. Let me, let me explain this. It's not, we always turn things into magic, like... I'm just going to open my Bible. Like, oh, well, you see it. God speaks to me through the Bible. So I'm going to, and then we take that verse out of everything out of the character of God. 
You know how God speaks to you? He speaks to you because when you know him, you know how he would operate in something. It's because I know my wife and I know her probably better than anybody else on the planet. I can pretty much finish her sentences and I can tell you what she likes and doesn't like. I don't have to go and say, oh, dear Karen, please give me a special word for whether you want, you know, what food she likes. I just, oh, give me a word. I need a word, please. You know, it's like, but that's what we do with God. Most of everything God has given us and commanded us to do and to things to be busy with, how to live this life, are all out there. Yes. Boom. Right. His character is unchanging. Yes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are never going to get a word that doesn't line up with already what the Logos is. The Logos is the revealed word of God. No matter how you turn and twist it, it's solid. It's going to be interpreting. Now, if you don't, you know, thank God you come to a great church like this one. And so, you know, well, hold on a second. I understand about covenants. I get to understand. Because, listen, growing up, it used to confuse me. I was, somebody say, like a, what do you call it, a, a weevil in a yo-yo. You know, you don't know which way is up and which is, which is down because somebody says this thing and something, God, you see God in the Old Testament, you, then they flip over from Leviticus and Deuteronomy and God this and God that and then they, they took New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament and you were like, what the heck? I just don't know. So you just give up. But I'm telling you, there is a consistent God. He is the same. His character has never changed. And it's really not difficult. You've just had a theologian complicated for you. Somebody who's been to university. They've been to cemetery school. Sorry. But it's not difficult. You know, so we're not supposed to despise prophecies. Um, you know, I, I, I love, listen to this, Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9. Um, now may the God of peace, sorry, sorry I'm not, I'm, I've got the wrong scripture on my screen. Isaiah 46 and verse 9 in the New King James. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Okay. I, I just love that. There is none like me. You see, people have got this idea that there's all kinds of gods and there's all kinds of things. God has distinguished himself from everybody so clearly when you prioritize the word of God. Yes. He, is, he is, he's made himself, he says, remember the former things. I am God. There is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Yes. None like me. And then he, then he says this, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> there is nobody today that has prophesied about the future like God has. When you realize that thousands of years, hundreds of years before things came to be, we had precise prophecies precise prophecies. Because why? Because God exists outside of time. That's right. He created. He is not sitting in a time warp. He is outside of time. Yes. He said the things that are going to come because he's already in the future. He's watched them happen. That doesn't, I don't want to get into predestination. God didn't predestine people. He watched people make decisions and yes. predestined them. Yes. 
He, people make free choices and he sees what the choices were. He didn't make the choices for them. That's what predestination and for, that's actually what the word foreknowledge means. He knew because he's standing on this side, he can see things outside of time. And that's why he saw those things ahead of time, right? And so then in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 42, verse 8, same, same book, he says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you them. Before they happen. And uh, so the, the one, how many of you have seen the Chosen series? You like the Chosen? That's pretty cool, eh? Yes. Uh, one of my favorite characters is Matthew. I like yeah. the Matthew that yeah. they pronounce it. So Matthew is pretty cool. But, but in the book of Matthew, I had, I'd never really noticed this before, but, but Matthew was written, is very uniquely written because he often references the Old Testament. In other words, when Jesus was saying something, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod heard, the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests, scribes, and the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, and from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So we see Jesus' place of birth was prophesied. Here, Herod goes to the guys. Man, you talk about rebelling against God. He goes to find out what the scripture says, where the Messiah is going to come. So he can go and wipe out the Messiah. That's pretty bold, dude. Uh, take on God this way. Any case, so, he says, so it's prophesied that Bethlehem, it's going to be from Bethlehem. I mean, in chapter, in Matthew, that same chapter, in verse 13, and then it says that when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And he rose, took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Yes. Now that was written in Hosea 11 verse 1. Hundred, I don't know how long it was, hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus' birth. So which is interesting. And then later on in that same chapter, um, I'm going to flip down. I'm going to read the whole passage. He says, and, and he, uh, verse 23, And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, and he shall be called a Nazarene. So it's interesting, in the same chapter, Bethlehem, Egypt, I will call my son, and Nazareth. All three of them, you could have had religious arguments back in the day trying to prophesy which of the cities or which country he was going to come from. He's going to come out of Egypt because I found a scripture that says that out of Egypt I will call my son. No, 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 I saw another scripture that he's gonna come out of Bethlehem. No, 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 I saw another scripture that he's gonna come out of Nazareth. Which one was true? All of them. You see, because somebody you went, who, who, who takes sort of a step back and says, well, hold on a second, he sees the end from the beginning. Matthew does this throughout a lot in his book. He says, he shows us where it was prophesied. 
that it might be said, that it might be said. This about Judas, this about that, this about he's going to dip his bowl, he's, no, he's going to dip his bread into the bowl. My enemy is risen against me. All of these things were written before. You, you've heard me speak about Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is, is a phenomenally accurate psalm. Starts off with the profound words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Profound. And then, you know what, if Jesus, if anybody knew their Bible back down, they would be able to. They used to learn that the Hebrew boys, and they used to study the word. They used to know the Psalms back to front. They could sing the Psalms back to you. They would know, hold on a second. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where have I heard that? Oh, that is in the Psalms. Psalm 22. And then listen to this. It goes on. That's just verse, um, uh, that's it, verse 1. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, and I still find no rest. But then he says this in verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Who said that? The thief on the cross. He says in verse 14, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted with my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. This is what Jesus experienced on the cross. And then listen to this, verse 16. Whoa, the light's coming and going. There you go. The light, uh, he says, um, listen to this in verse 16. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Do you think if somebody knew the psalm when he started by saying, my God, my God, my, the how, how is they, why have they forsaken me? And then it says, they pierced my hands and feet. My, my. The detail with which God has declared the end from the beginning is profound. You can count the scriptures. There's like 300 messianic scriptures about parts of Jesus' life. Different prophets, different times, psalms, all of them, right through the, the profoundness of God declaring his words. So, so what am I saying? I'm saying that don't pursue just prophecy. Don't pursue a personal prophecy as much as you desire to get established in the word of God. I'm telling you, we have enough to... Because as we move towards this, I've seen it time and time again, guys. And, and we, are, we are fast heading towards a major revival. I'm telling you, you're going to see it right here. I'm going to say revival. I'm just using the term. I don't like the word revival. But, but I'm just saying, call it an awakening. Call it, we're going to experience it right here. And the Lord has been preparing me for why, how we're going to deal with it. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be, we are learning from the revivals of past. We are not going to be staying here until midnight, one o'clock every night because that's you think is spiritual. You're going to go home after we have an amazing meeting and you're going to sleep and you're going to work in your job the next day and be faithful. Amen. You're not going to give God as an excuse to be unfaithful and be do a sloppy worker or a lazy person. 
telling you the revival is going to be different. It's going to be, we aren't going to get into it. Do you want to experience God in a level? It's got to come from a desire. We are the ones, we are the ones that are going to make it happen. But if we are going to play super spiritual games, and if any of you want to play super spiritual games, you won't be happy here. You can go and play super spiritual games at another church, but not here. And I'm not saying I've got it together, guys. I'm walking through this. But I'm telling you, we have got to be ready for this if we want to, for this revival to impact the world and for us to impact the world because God has his, listen to me carefully. God has desires for you. Will you let them come to pass? Will you let them, will you let him be successful through you? Will you, will you choose to trust that his plan, his personal plan for you is more important than somebody's opinion of you or what you think is important. I'm telling you, that's a bitter pull to swallow because we want to become like somebody else. I want to be just like so-and-so. I want to just be like Andrew Womack. So I'm going to go to Karis, and I love Karis. It's my favorite Bible school. It's like, but if you're going to go to Karis just so that you can be Andrew Womack, it's going to suck for you because you're not going to be Andrew Womack. I'm telling you, I've seen it in every Bible school. Everybody wants to emulate that. I want to travel. I've finished. I've graduated Bible school. So give me a place to teach. And you say, here's the plunger. Don't you know? I have a degree. I am accredited. I need a place to preach. You see, we don't want to do things the way God has shown it. God says, if you're faithful with little, he make you faithful with much. He is the one who promotes. And guess what? What happens if you never noticed? What happens if you are never noticed, but you do exactly what Jesus tells you to? Who is successful? What happens if you are noticed, but you weren't supposed to be? What is successful? What is successful then? What happens if you make yourself and carve out your own way and get a... But that wasn't what you're called to. Sad, miserable, lonely, cool, cold. But I'm in the ministry. I'm famous. Yeah. You know, God will use you because you're there. He will use us no matter where. But, but guys, you're called. We are called to do something great. Yes. This is such a time as this. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. Yes. We're, we, we're not going to despise prophecy, but we're not going to chase super ridiculousness. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're going to prioritize the Word of God. You're going to know if you want to get established in the character of God and who you are and all these fundamentals. Is that a decision that you're willing to make? Yes. You, 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 you are going to need to, you will, everybody makes the decision by intention or non-intention. By you not making a decision, you made a decision. Everybody gets to choose one way or another. You just get to choose one day how I want to be. Do I want to be part of what God's doing? Do I want to play the role I've been called to? 
or do I just want to do things my own, my own way? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you have plans and purposes for us. And, and Lord, we yield to them. We yield to those, Lord. I perceive that Lake Haven is going to have a bunch of people sent out from here. And many ministries are going to start in due time. People who love truth, who love the kingdom, who aren't doing it for their own glory or their own name, who prioritize his name that we can truly say, you can have the glory. You can have it all. We so eagerly say you can have it all. But is it something we really mean? Is it something that you really mean? You see, my brothers and sisters, I'm speaking to you apart from your family right now. I'm talking to you. I believe the Spirit of God is asking you, irrespective of what your spouse says, irrespective of what you feel, irrespective of the cultural demands on your life, what is He calling you to? Will you choose? Will you make the decisions? Will you be willing to let go of some of these things in pursuit of truth, in, in uh, the journey of ever unfolding understanding of truth? That's your decision. And so for 30 seconds here, I'm just gonna keep quiet. And I want you to make some decisions, but just between you and the Lord right now. What has the Spirit of God said to you? And what do you choose to do about it? Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He knows your heart better than you do. You don't have to cry aloud for him to hear you. If you have a heart that you feel has turned away from him or your heart has become so calloused, so hardened, so hurt, I'm asking you to turn to Jesus, not to a church, to Jesus. See his warm embrace. See a father who runs toward you, who picks you up and spins you around that won't even listen to your excuses. He will just be happy that you came home. Fruit comes from intimacy. 
I'm going to say it again. Fruit comes from intimacy. You have an exciting, loving adventure with your Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit dwelling in you that has called you to a specific path. And when you stray from that, I want you to know this, we all miss it. You don't have to go back three steps or untangle the mess. But like a GPS, all you have to do is follow the next step. That's all. Will you do that? Will you choose to follow the next step that he gives you to follow for you? That's all. What is your next step? And if you don't know, ask that in your heart. Pray that and just say, Lord, I'm walking this out with you. Walk out of the step. And I'm encouraging you. Decide right now that you will embrace the written word of God. Get to know your father. See him. Get to know who you are in Christ, who he has made you in Christ through the finished work of the cross. Amen. And if you have decided you're far away and you are those, one of those that's turning around and you say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm just abandoning myself is the best way I can see it. You're throwing up your hope, open your arms and you say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I just abandon myself into your love and grace and care. And that's such a good place to be. That's such a good place to be. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Know that you are forgiven. When you, when you come to the cross and say, Jesus, you're my hope, you're my righteousness. He gives you the gift of His righteousness. Release the guilt and the shame of your past and walk into that life of righteousness with Him. Amen. If you're watching online, and, or you can just text the, the words on your screen to, to ask for prayer. But as, as usual here, if you need special prayer, please respond to our prayer ministers up front. They are so awesome. They know, how to, they know how to love you. They know how to hear from God. They know how to keep secrets. They do, genuinely. They know. So if you've got something to overburden, they're great. And text, like, I mean, you can also text the word, by the way, prayer to our prayer line, our, our text in church number, and, and you'll, we'll respond, you know. Hallelujah. Know that that's a great place to be, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. T, you go. Well, won't you stand with us? Let's just lift up our hands for a second. Father, if you're comfortable with this, don't, don't do it if you're on. Just, just surrender. It's a universal sign of surrender. Lord, we declare you as Lord. We declare you as Lord of our lives. We release we're willing to release. We're willing to learn. We embrace your humility. Thank you, Father.
that it's truth that sets us free. And we declare your freedom. We release unforgiveness and receive your grace, love and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, you're dismissed. Have a great Sunday. Rest of the Sunday, be salt and light. Remember, there's healing.